Trumos, Perik Yud, Mishnah, Yud Aleph, 10-11. In the previous Mishnah, we had said that when it comes to vegetables, if they're pickling together, we're not concerned about them transferring taste one to the other, except for potent-tasting vegetables like onions, etc. Mishnah Yud Aleph is actually a direct continuation of that Mishnah and presents four Tanaim who disagree with the previous Mishnah. Now, what are they disagreeing with? The Mishnah Yud, number 10, had said that when you pickle vegetables, they don't transfer taste. The implication being, if you would cook vegetables together, they would transfer taste. Cooking being a more intense uh, activity in terms of, of extracting and transferring taste than pickling alone. Now, each of the four tonight in this Mishnah are going to say that even cooking vegetables won't transfer taste. Perhaps with some exceptions, as we'll see in the Mishnah, um, so there'll be four different cheetahs about being even more lenient and saying that cooking simply by vegetables isn't enough even. The halach will follow none of these cheetahs. The halach will be like the previous Mishnah that, while pickling vegetables of, you know, bland vegetables doesn't create a problem, uh, cooking them together, meaning if you have one vegetable that's truma or miser or sheni or hekdesh or whatever the story is, shvius, then it certainly will make the other vegetables that are being cooked with it uh, to be forbidden with the same restrictions. So here the Mishnah says, Rabbi Yossi Omer, Kol nishlakin imhatradim asurim, b'pnei shehem nosin esatam. Rabbi Yossi says, if you cook things, now, shalika, nishlakin, means to like overcook. Uh, like in the, <clears throat> if you imagine when you make your uh, soup, so at the end of the, after, in the pot, the bottom of the pot, there's like the vegetables at the bottom, that's shalika, like overcooked, smushy stuff at the bottom of the pot after you boil it up. So, Rabiosi says, even if you do shlika and overcook vegetables together, there's no problem except for if it's done with tradim. Tradim are beets. In modern Hebrew, teret is spinach, but here it, it presumably means beets. Um, so the beets have a potent taste when they're cooked together, and therefore if the beets are the source of isser, then they will forbid whatever else is in the pot cooking with them. Um, but other vegetables aside from beets, not a problem. So while Raviosi says that beets put out taste and therefore can forbid, the next sheet of Shimon is concerned, um, he agrees with that in principle, um, but he actually focuses on a different type of vegetable, and that is um, cabbages here. But he's talking about cabbages of two different types. He's going to differentiate between cabbages that were grown in a rain water field, meaning a field that's been watered by the rain naturally, and an irrigated field which had to be manually um, watered. And although it might be counterintuitive to our 21st century minds, a irrigated field is going to produce less succulent vegetables because they don't have sprinkler systems, of course. Watering the vegetables meant going to the well and dragging water and bringing it um, to the vegetables. And that being the case, um, they would be certainly um, relatively underwatered. So his concern is that if you have, let's say, two different vegetables, cabbages, one that was cultivated in a, a rain-watered field, it'll be more moist, and the other one, which is, cult, which was cultivated in a irrigated, manually-watered field, that cabbage will be relatively dry. And therefore, the relatively dry cabbage will, will suck up, will absorb moisture, taking it from the moist cabbage. And if the moist cabbage is the source of isser, so then it'll be absorbed by the relatively dry cabbage that was, that was cultivated in, a, in an irrigated field. So that's what Rabbi Shimon says. Inside the words are, Rabbi Shimon Omer, Kruv Shel Shikya. If you have a cabbage that came from a 
irrigated, meaning a manually watered field, that's cooking together with imkruv shel baal, that was uh, in a pot with a cabbage that was from a rain-watered field. Baal, referring to a base of Baal, a rain, a field that relied on rainwater. Asur, that cabbage that grew in the, the heter cabbage that grew in the manually irrigated field becomes Asur, because it absorbs, meaning it absorbs flavor from the other cabbage that grew in the rain-watered field, and assuming that cabbage was a source of Isra, that Isra now transfers to the cabbage that was in the irrigated field because it absorbs it. Fine. The third shita is Rabbi Yehuda. The Bartanur has the gears of Rabbi Akiva, but in any case, Rabbi Yehuda, or in the course of Bartanur, Rabbi Akiva says, Kol If two things are cooked together, and the Bartanur speaks out, we're talking about things that are of the exact same species, like meaning two cabbages together, etc. So mutarim, we're not concerned, says Rabbi Yehuda, with the taste transference because the taste is the same for both and it's not significant. So if you have two of the same types, cabbages, pickles, whatever, in the jar, one of them, excuse me, in the pot, not jar, cooking in a pot, and one of them is has restrictions, iser, trum, whatever, and one is heter, there's no problem, mutarim, the other ones, the source that were originally had to remain heter, elim habasar, the exception is meat. If you have two pieces of meat, one is kosher meat, one is treif meat, cooking together in a pot. So meat does put out an absorbed taste, and that being the case, even if it's the same kind of meat, but one, let's say, was shechted properly and one wasn't, so then everything in the pot becomes asher, you need 60 times against, etc. The halacha, again, follows none of those shitas. The halacha is that anything cooked together, the tastes transfer, and it's a problem. The last shita here, Rabbi Yochanan Menuri, he is going to take an even more lenient position um, and say that when it comes to liver, so liver is, in the Chazal's mind, is um, like totally suffused with blood through and through. And that being the case, in his conception, what's happening is the liver is totally um, relentlessly being polet, expelling blood. And since it's always expelling blood, it's not available to reabsorb uh, blood. And that being the case, if you would have a liver cooking in a pot, that has not kosher meat, the liver would not absorb any of the forbidden components and would remain mutter. That's what Yochmanuri says. Hakaved oseres, when it comes to liver, it can make something else in a pot forbidden because it, it's putting out the blood. Then in oseres, but it itself doesn't become forbidden because it, because it's constantly expelling blood. Vena bolas, but doesn't, and therefore it doesn't absorb anything. Um, the Allah is not like this at all. The luck is when it comes to liver, there's actually no way to cook it in a pot. We're concerned that the blood it expels gets reabsorbed into it and stuck there. And, of course, you can't have blood. And that being the case, you can never cook liver. The only way to eat liver is um, if it's roasted directly over an open fire and uh, not through salting, etc., but just through roasting and whatever blood that ex- is expelled out of the liver kind of drips down. And that, that not, like this, not like this time, that is how I described it, is the only way, halakhically, to have kosher liver.